Hello, everyone. This is Wanda, your host of Salty Coffee Podcast. It is March 26th when I recorded this on Wisdom, and I'm posting it now um, on April 7th, 2023. Learning to listen so that I can understand and not to respond is really hard to do. In this episode, I just talk about my experiences at my workplace and trying to listen to the newer generation, the newer administration, how they want the university to run moving forward. And I always try to apply my own life in that same aspect. I need to start listening more to myself and how I want to move forward and not be influenced too much about what I'm hearing. So from mo- so from now on, I'm just going to listen more to understand as opposed to listening to respond. Not every podcast content creator declares or demands a response to what they're putting out there. Some of it is just pretty much for you to have an understanding of what is happening either in their life, in their community, or in their environment at the time. Again, the Salty Coffee podcast was created to document and journal what's actually happening to the Salty Coffee host. <laughs> that we're talking in third person. But it's really important for us to really tell our story. Not so much of the stories of others, because even when we try to listen to understand so that we can advocate, so that we can react, so that we can execute, whatever it is that's happening, we really need to focus on ourselves. And as much as others have said, individuality, may have its pros and cons and more cons than pros, what ultimately is the goal here? So for me, the goal is to understand, to understand how, now that I understand how the system works, now I need to listen to understand how I can fit in that system and and be comfortable and be knowledgeable enough to learn how to advocate for this new group because advocacy has been something that I've done for many years in the workplace. Now I need to move forward in listening to understand and advocate for those outside of the workplace. Enjoy this episode. It's kind of long, but thank you for your support and for listening. Hello, how's everyone doing today? It is Sunday, all over again. Sunday, March 19th. Man, the month is going fast. I'll tell you this, I don't know if it's the bills you have to pay every month or what it is, but once you hit your 40s and your 50s especially, Time just flies. 
although you have 24 hours in a day, right, to do as much as you can, the older you get, the more you realize time is all you have, right? Because I don't know about you, but this is the way I see life. If you're in your 50s plus, <laughs> and you're not able to just relax and enjoy yourself, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you should not be having to struggle a lot, I guess. I don't know. But man, time flies. It's already March 19th. Next thing you know, taxes are due. Students are leaving for the spring. Summer sessions begin. And then next thing you know, it's all over again. New student orientation. Man, time just flies. Isn't that crazy? For, you, for someone to just... Well, it's not crazy. It's just how... I think we should change the calendar. We should, <laughs> we should have four days of weekends. No days of work. <laughs> and just be free can you imagine living in a world like that but I think um, I left it at wisdom community and social media because I'm actually not thinking at all today is Sunday and I just don't want to think but I came here on wisdom so that I can share what's been happening lately. So, and maybe you want to come up and give me your perspective. I'm a, I'm a, I believe I'm a very good listener. I think I grew up at a time where 70s and 80s, where it was all about listening, right? It, I just had no choice but to listen, right? That's just how it was. Parents, you would start talking and interjecting conversations, adult conversations, and be quiet. It's not for you. It's not, you know. And then before social media, right, we had to do all types of communication in person. I remember um, having the conversation with my youngest daughter. I have two daughters. And the youngest one, you know, we talked about how how do people get a job today, right? Right now you go online, you submit your, your resume, and you hope for the best. <laughs> when I hear that, I'm like, wait a minute, that's it? That can't be it. That just can't be true. But it is. And then you just hope for the best, right? Because out of, let's see. Because you know there's there's also American students who study abroad, right? I'm gonna search. Oh, that's interesting. I was just doing a search on how many college graduates um, graduated in 20, 22 but <laughs> what popped up in 
Google was how many college graduates are unemployed in 2022. Wow. In December of 2022, about 4.1% of recent college graduates were unemployed in the United States. Oh, okay. Well, this was a significant decrease from September. I mean, this is just statistics from statista.com, economics and politics. So I'm not sure, you know, if it's 100% accurate. I know that a lot of co recent college graduates um, end up getting jobs outside of the USA. I know that for a fact. Um, I know that a lot of students Huh, I wonder if this statistics talk about American college graduate. Because we have a lot of international students who come to the United States to study and get the degrees, but they go back to their country, um, especially when it comes to finance. Um, we have a lot of Korean students. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about Korean students is that they're mandated in their country to serve, um, I think they have to serve four years. So most of them, what they do is they enroll in college here in the United States, defer do it for the military because that is an option. And they come back at 23 <laughs> to complete their American degree. I, I'm still in the 33 years that I've worked where I work at. I'm still trying to figure that out. But if you have any insights about that, please share, because I would love to know a little bit more about um, how that works. Why um, here in the United States we're not able to do that. That's interesting. But how's everybody today? How are you? Um, Saduko Moth and John Bush. I just wanted to share um, this week with you. Uh, we're going through a transition. I'm going through a transition. Um, you know, the emptiness. <laughs> is getting at me is real now because when i was raising my two daughters um i kept myself busy so when i was raising my two daughters i had three jobs one full-time 40 hours a week one part-time like legit part-time and then the other one was like gigs you know the gig economy like we live in now i don't understand why people think that's something new it's never been anything new for New Yorkers. We've always found other ways to make additional income. Um, although it wasn't through online, but, um, and then, you know, an activist in the union and then participating in 
the education program and community community functions. So <laughs> once um, I said to myself, I have to do these things in order to ensure that I understand completely how the system works, right? So that I can go ahead and either retire early because my whole plan was to really like raise my grandchildren, right? That was my plan. I wanted to have children early so that we can then enjoy ourselves together as adults and then me retire early so that I can take care of their children. <laughs> well, part of the plan worked out way, I mean, part of the plan and my goals worked out seamlessly, but it was a lot of work. So working three jobs and then going to school part-time to get my degree while working the three jobs and raising my two daughters, I want to um, share with people that when I was going to school and when I was doing all these, you know, full-time work, going to school, raising my children, participating in community-based um, um, events and projects, and I'm very active in my community not as active as I wanted to be because, but for sure, for sure in the educational um, system where my children attended. And I don't understand how people today find every excuse not to do something, especially when it's readily available for you. I think for us, Generation X, and I don't want to generalize everything because I can only talk about my experience. Um, I do understand that there are certain people who learn a different way. They require special attention, special needs. So I understand all of that. And I do understand that what I did may not necessarily been successful, right? Like who measures being a good parent? From what I've learned and what I see is that the only people who can measure good parenting, in my opinion, is your children, right? They're the only ones that can say, hey, I wish you would have done this better. I wish you would have been, and I've been told. <laughs> my children have told me. So if you have young children, I will advise and suggest that you ask, you know, why you're raising them. Ask them, if you had to grade me, what would you give me and why? And I only say that because I recently found out that <laughs> um, one of my daughters, she's just like, she was just not happy at all with the situation. Although she's grateful that I was able to provide for her the the basic needs, right? And I was able to give her, but she turned out to be a little money hungry. And I don't know if that was a good thing, but, you know, she'll learn, you know? And she also stated publicly 
in one of our episodes that she does not want children. And that's her choice and there's nothing I can do about that. So now I work with the other one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think we should definitely um, let uh, our children know that we love them no matter what, that we uh, support them in whatever they want to do. I think that worked for me. I was very um, open parent. Like I didn't restrict them from doing certain things. And, and I knew for a fact, this is a fact based on how I was raised, that usually your children, they will follow what you do. Even though it may look different at this point, they will, you know, you are a big influence on them. You should be their role model. Because one of the things that my youngest daughter said, she said, I learned my work ethics from you. Because you woke up every morning <laughs> and as tired as you were, were from wake, from working all those jobs and going to school and doing, you know, going to the library for countless hours, um, you still got up every morning and went to work. And I was like, hey, okay, that's awesome to hear. But I do know that um, there just could have been a lot of things that I could have done differently. And I'm not going to say, unfortunately, it's too late to learn something new. But at 53, I just really don't understand um, some people. So I listen. I listen carefully. And now, instead of responding to respond, in many cases, I don't respond at all because not everything deserves a response, but in many cases, um, I'm not listening to respond to dismiss the, what the other person is saying. I'm really carefully listening. And so that's why I like to come to wisdom to listen. I do more listening than talking. Um, and even at 53, I would have to admit, I may not be a good communicator. I'm so structured and so logically thinking type of person that sometimes people, either I'm reading the text or emails wrong based on how I've learned to listen to the other person. Or I'm just not interested in the shenanigans. Because again, time is important. And we need to use our time wisely. That's just how I am. If you're wasting my time, if I give you the opportunity to do something, and we can do it together, <clears throat> um, I commit myself to that time. But I know people have things to do. And I guess in business, that's why people charge. You know, you don't go to your doctor's appointment or you come late, they charge you. Because their time is essential. 
And in reality, that's really all we have. <laughs> Time to me is more expensive than asking you to join a course that I'm providing you. And I think that's why people charge. But if I'm providing it for free, <laughs> and maybe that's why people don't care. I don't know. But learning to listen so that I can understand and not to respond, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And a lot of people, when they communicate with others, they they love to talk about their struggles and they love to talk about, and I, I won't say love, but they want you to understand what they went through more so than who they are. And there are just times where I'm just like, can't we just enjoy the moment? Like, can't we just forget about everything that happened and can we just enjoy this moment and let's move forward and a lot of people for a lot of people that is very difficult because what they've experienced is really who they are as opposed to just being you and a lot of people may look at that like well you know you never suffer from anything <clears throat> You didn't have to go through this, and but you don't really know what I went through. I'm not engaged in telling everybody my real story. So how do you really, how can you really just think that your struggle is, and your experience is the only thing that's out there and you want to make a difference in your own life, but you feel that in doing that, you have to change other people or you want them to see it so badly of how your experience has affected you that you're not even trying to understand that in many different ways, life is simple. We're born, we live, we experience, we learn, we make mistakes. And then it's all gone. And then what? Not everybody's history is going to be out there. And if everybody is out to make sure that their legacy or that they leave a legacy behind, um, not everybody gets to do that. There's a lot of people that have been born and died and we wouldn't know about it. Not everybody knows about it. So why are we so why are we so concerned about what other people want to know or, or what you did or your accolades? For me, the only two there's only two people who I really care about what I've done and what I've contributed to their life. And that's my two daughters. That's it. And I promised myself that I would record these things because hopefully one of them will have a grandchild for me. <laughs> and if it doesn't happen while I'm still alive, because I can die tomorrow, we never know. If, if it doesn't happen while 
I'm still alive. I can leave these things behind. I have all my recordings, all my history, because like I said before, there's nothing better than you writing your own history for your children and your grandchildren. And if it never happens where I do have grandchildren, well, you know, it the buck stops here. <laughs> stops here. Something I can do about it. I have nieces and nephews who will be able to share. Hey, did you know that we had on Salty Coffee and she had a podcast? Maybe for them, it will help them to understand, you know, their grand, great-grandmother. Because they didn't get to meet her, their great-grandfather. Because I can only go back as far as my maternal parents. That's as far as I can go with my history. Because in many cultures, such as mine, Dominican, family just doesn't talk about history. They don't, I don't know why, but they don't. I'm not sad. So, you know, I yeah, I can go to Ancestry.com. That doesn't really say much for me. I can go back to my paternal side. They have more information from my paternal side of the history than my maternal. So I can go through that side, but I really didn't have connection. I don't know that, that side so well. But it's there. I know it's there. And you know what? Maybe I will take a sabbatical and just go do that. My father is from Barahona in Dominican Republic. Her is a beautiful place. Lots of resources. Beautiful people. Beautiful food. And maybe, maybe one day I'll just go in there. And go visit and take some of the elderly who are still alive. My father is no longer living, but he has siblings that are still very healthy and very well aware of the history. So maybe that's something I can do. You know, it's beautiful when you get to embrace your culture and your children are interested in doing the same. Um, One of the ways that my mom um, kept the culture alive while raising us here in New York um, was through dance and music. So we keep our culture to make sure that our food, the food that we cook, that we learn it, we learn where it comes from, how it's grown, and the music which I can't say much about today's music, but music is beautiful. The people. I'm going to have a series, not necessarily here on Wisdom, but I'll be conducting a series of the book that's called Why the Cocks Fight, 
Dominicans, Haitians, and the Struggle for Hispaniola. And the book was written by Michelle Walker, who received a grant from Columbia University and some other uh, universities that she attended and graduated from and had her PhD. But the book is really, I learned so much. I learned um, the series is going to start on April 3rd. And it's just me reading the book and going over it and reviewing it and having discussions about it. But in, in one portion of the book, it talks about the sugar babies. And a friend of mine was the one who bought me, he purchased this book for me, gave it to me as a gift. So the series is going to be um, published on my Spotify and Anchor only. I don't know if some of you have stereo, but I will be on stereo every Monday beginning April 3rd from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. going over the book. The first discussion will just be about the book, the preface. And um, one of the things that I learned from the book, which is why I think it's important to share. Um, a lot of a lot of people. Oh, that scared me. A lot of people. Um, you know, Americans. A lot of Americans. They're like, oh, you're Dominican. Oh, I heard you don't get along with the Haitians and the Puerto Ricans and the Cubans. And for me, honestly. I don't like it when people say those things and I don't like when people assume that I understood why people do that. I mean, we in in this book Michelle talks about how when she was going through the research cuz she literally lived she lived in Dominican Republic to and and in Haiti to do this book. And she said, she's like, wow, she was listening to Dominicans and it was, to her, it felt no different than how Americans talk about the Mexicans in the southern states, Texas, Mexico, you know, so she, she correlated that. And I thought that was interesting um, because that's pretty much what it is. So... In the book, I don't recall um, too much because I received this book a while ago, but it talks about the sugar babies and the sugar babies are pretty much, so the Hispaniola is one big island and the Spanish conquered the Dominican side and the French conquered the Haiti side. There was a, a large piece of land in the middle where their economic system was the sugarcane. Sugarcane. Um, so I have to I have to like really get back into that because I can't remember exactly what I read, but what I understood was that the sugar babies are the people who did not participate they were like 
stolen from Haiti. Young children were stolen from Haiti, from the Dominican side or whoever owned this piece of land to grow the sugar canes and had them work there. And the way they worked was they would get a piece of paper where they would say, you get a cup of rice, you know, a little piece of paper with what we call cash or money or dinero, dollars. Um, it just said what they would work for. So that little piece of paper at the end of the day will give them access to a cup of rice, a cup of water, and maybe some meat. I don't know. I have to read it again. But And what happened in all those years was that these children grew in this land, created communities, and created families. And this happened for a long time. So at some point now, when sugarcane is no longer the economic system for the Dominican Republic, you have people, government officials, starting to dip, like tell them to leave. And they're saying, well, where are we going? <laughs> um, and they're like, well, you can't come to the Dominican Republic, but you got to go somewhere. Does that sound familiar? And so the Haiti government was like, I don't, we don't know these people. You stole them. Who, who are these people? We don't know. You figure it out. And Dominicans are like, no, we, you're not Dominican. Mind you, the sugar babies that were stolen from Haiti directly spoke Spanish, like a pure Dominican Spanish lingo. You hear them speak and you're like, oh my God, they speak Spanish. Like, what more do you want from them? So it was a big thing in like 2000s, 2010, where they were now requiring them to pay to become a citizen of the Dominican Republic, which is awful. But... And I think that's why I want to go back to this book because I do want to do, I do, I am curious and want to take some time to really understand how people think. Because I thought that listening to this, right, and based on what I've read, I thought my family would be more supportive, right? The, the ones that stayed in the Dominican Republic. Instead, I was crit ridiculed and bashed and like turned like, what? You don't know what you're speaking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, you should be quiet. And it's not, maybe I wasn't correct in the political aspect of it. Maybe I wasn't correct in saying, you know, Dominicans are assholes, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. But the the human part of it, that was my concern. We're all humans. Why is it that a group of people have to suffer? Because some other 
politicians or leaders or whoever decided like, you know, we're just going to do what we want to do because we can. So the hell with you all. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. And it happens every day here too. You know, they come to this country and they look at you like, you don't know. You don't know anything. And I've had to check Dominicans when they speak ill of anyone, any particular group who has suffered. And the only reason you're able to ride the bus freely and work and get a job and is because of the people who <laughs> advocated for women's rights and human rights and labor rights. So how dare you? How dare you come and migrate to a country, whether it's documented or undocumented, have stereotypical, it's just crazy to me. So I listen. I listen now to them so that I can understand. And I don't respond. Because what I've learned in all these years is that people just don't know how they've been indoctrinated and how they've been socially constructed to be a certain way and to think a certain way. But it's 2023. And if you have not taken the opportunity to learn about someone else's culture or how someone was raised in the Bronx or lived in the Bronx or how it is to live in New York, you think everyone in the Bronx takes public assistance. That is not true. Just because you saw two streets that are dirty and whatever, you think the whole Bronx now is dirty and disgusting and people uneducated and they just don't know. And maybe that's not the truth. Maybe that's not how the Bronx, the Bronx is stereotyped, but more than, more than often it is. And I'm hoping that, you know, when my daughter said in the interview, I just had to leave. It just wasn't for me. I was hoping that she didn't think that, because she said she was from the Bronx, that people automatically assumed that you're promiscuous like Cardi B or that you had to work at a nightclub or that you had to be a bartender because there's really no work here. You know, I really am careful with that because that's not what it is from the Bronx. You know, I wasn't born in the Bronx, but I was born in in Brooklyn, raised in Washington Heights. And now I live in the Bronx and I've been here. And my daughters weren't even born in the Bronx. You know, they were, this is just where we can afford to live. Because <laughs> a lot of, this is the way I see it. A lot of the white flight from the 80s, their children are returning to their properties and taking over the properties that they left behind. And I think it's happening again now. So like um, St. Patrick's Day this past Friday, 
a lot of um, people who own these bars in New York, they're losing money post COVID because a lot of people just gone. Nobody really celebrates St. Patrick's Day like New Yorkers did. And what I'm learning is that the legacy or the culture of St. Patrick's Day is now in other states. Like they've made it <laughs> a legal holiday in their state for kids to be off from school. I thought that was interesting. But um, yeah, people are not happy that, you know, they're like, oh, it's just not like it used to be. This is what they, this is what I hear now. And I'm talking about baby boomers. Oh, it's just not what it used to be. Of course, it shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't be what it used to be. And guess what? The majority of the, the love and connection for the Irish American Dominicans is in Washington Heights. If you go to Washington Heights now in New York City, you'll see that that community has grown. There's a, there's a big mix there. So that's what I told them because I was downtown um, going to watch. I went to watch a play called La Golondrina. Great story. And next to the Repertorio Español is this little bar called Jack Diamonds, I think it was. I don't even remember. But um, yeah, so the people there, they were celebrating. I was just enjoying uh a virgin drink before the play and yeah new york gets wild and crazy and green <laughs> it's a fun thing to do but you know it's just not something that i celebrate that i know about but in new york is what brings money right because ultimately everything is about money and where there wherever there is money there is a community who has it and there's a community who makes sure that they maintain it and they, you know, pass it on to their children. And I think that's awesome. I think we can learn a lot from those communities where they celebrate and embrace, you know, something, their culture. <clears throat> then that's awesome. And how's everyone doing? Is anybody from New York here? I'm trying to ask if anyone wants to learn basic Spanish. So I, what better day to start than today? <laughs> um, I want to tell you a little, a little bit about New York, if you're not from New York. But again, I grew up... Oh. See, I could see a clap. Thank you. <laughs> I literally, I purposely purchased an iPad so that I can utilize the wisdom because when you have the Android, you don't see anything. You don't see the claps. You don't really see the engagement. And it would be nice to engage with other people and hear their story. But, um, I think yesterday um, or the day before, I was having a difficult time trying to get on wisdom. I don't know what was going on. And 
people were messaging me, hey, you're still on, but it's not you. I'm like, what? <laughs> Someone stole my photo, my beautiful photo. But um, in, in uh, so I know I'm changing the subject a lot, but social media, right? When um, you're in your 50s, and your goal was, you know, to have a family, raise your children, make sure your children, you know, have that you have the means and the ability to put them to college. Because in my opinion, it is the parents obligation to make sure that if you're planning to have children, um, you want the best for them, right? Because if you just want to have kids because you just want to have kids like back in the days I, I i learned that people were having kids to you know build the farm and grow the crops and that was their labor like you had children for the labor <laughs> um but now that's not you know that's not the case and i can't wait till they like dismiss daylight savings time but a lot of people now when I date, right, when I'm in my dating phase, I didn't realize how, tradi how traditional I was in my thinking. You know, um, according to people, dating is, you know, you can have sex the first night and we're adults, you're in your 50s. Like, and I'm like, that's not necessarily true. Like, no, it shouldn't be like that but whatever. And I remember in the eighties, you know, you used to get a little paper in school and grammar school. Do you like me? Yes or no. And that's how I feel that men in their fifties are, you know, they don't really know how to communicate. And the ones that, that, communicate well I want to say communicate the ones that talk a lot um they usually just say what they say because they think you that's what you want to hear right and I find that interesting very interesting but um when when men now say that women are different the women today are different I don't even think it has anything to do with the 50 year olds you know I think the, the new generation, they figured it out real quick. They figured out that, no, I'm not going to spend, you know, 10 years waiting for him to ask me to marry him. Because that happens to a lot of people. To a lot of my friends, too. I were engaged for like 10 years. Like, who who's engaged for 10 years? <laughs> you either want or you don't. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think this generation they're different and that's okay but for me i think it's the catching up like i like to be busy i like to do things and a lot of people are like well why are you always traveling alone why hello <laughs> it's like this this woman said you know um, the 50-year-old men are either the ones that are good and active they're either married and have a woman and a family, or they're dead. <laughs> I thought that was very harsh to say. 
So what do we do when we're limited to either dating 40 year olds or, you know, someone older, but needless to say, it's not easy, but I'm listening. I'm listening to understand and not to respond. And I'm hoping that men, um, no matter what, whether you're from New York or California or New Hampshire, I don't, I don't care. Like, no matter what, you need to listen. You need to listen to women and hopefully you'll understand, even if you're married too. You know, like I said earlier, if you had to grade, if you have to ask your children to grade you as a parent, you can grade your spouse tonight. Ask, ask them. If you had to grade me as a wife, not a friend, as a wife, well, what would you grade me and why? <laughs> Maybe you do do that. And if you do that, please share. Because I would love to hear that conversation. Because we get so caught up in the, the work, the kids, the school. Um, are you guys hanging out? Are you doing date night like you used to? Hopefully you are. Are you engaging in the conversation and letting your children know and see how you create intimacy and, and, and love each other? Are you showing that? Because these kids, they come to college and they look mean and tired and frustrated and i'm thinking my goodness <laughs> why are you so rude leave that to the new yorkers um and i don't know what that's all about but um don't spend too much time on social media if you do have a family prioritize that and if you're going to do a social media thing, make sure that you're either teaching other people how how to how to create and and live that life that seem seamless like there's order here. Get up, go to work. The things we have to do as a family together. Cuz I've seen that a lot too. I've seen like a lot of married men coming to social media to tell single women what to do. It's like, what? Why are you so concerned, sir? You know, where are the single men? Well, they're probably out there enjoying themselves. <laughs> they're probably out there enjoying themselves like we should all be, you know? And that's one thing that I, that I, I do enjoy about me. I like the arts. So I do go to museums. I do go to... Um, Broadway play, off-Broadway, on-Broadway. I go to amusement park in a heartbeat. And when I travel, I make sure that I do an excursion that's adventurous, like zip lining, um, water tubing, whatever. I don't do canoeing. I wouldn't do that. That's um, too tight for me. Like anything that's tight, <laughs> I can't do it. I don't, I don't know if I'm claustrophobic, but maybe I am. So let's see who's in the house. La, la, love. Hello. 
Roman, Dave's World, John Push You Back, Jamila Asia. Thank you. Thank you for, for the class. I am following you. Curdy Kudos. Sorry if I pause after I say a name. I'm just reading your your description. I enjoy listening, engaging in talks within the community that includes art, comedy, unique storytelling, religion, politics, mind, body, spiritual, spiritually, and solely. Curdy kudos. That's awesome. And Doobie, I'm sorry. Every time I see your name, Doobie, I'm like, Doobie, Doobie, do. I don't know why I'm, I'm compelled to, <laughs> to do that, but I am Doobie, part of Part of my life purpose is to assist you in finding your journey back to self. I'm going to keep a note of that. Greg's take. What if there is no journey? From where to where? There is only now. Calling out the voice in our head. May you find value here. Thank you, Greg. Let me add you because I would like to listen to one of your talks. Keen iPhone. <laughs> Hi, Keen iPhone. How are you? <laughs> um, okay. Jade Orion with the leprechaun clover. Not the leprechaun, the clover. Sorry. Motivator, writer, last inspirational speaker, truth teller. Thank you for your tips. Heart, heart. Drew. Hey, Drew. How are you? I hope you're still here, Drew. I'm feeling Drew fastic. <laughs> How you doing? Let's talk gratitude. Love helping people stay motivated and achieve their goal. Super into self-love and reminding others to love and embrace themselves. Thank you very much, Drew. You sure do that on the lunch break. Lunch break with Drew. I like that. Um, where you been, Drew? Why you only have 87 followers? If you have not been following Drew, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I hope, Drew, that you are finding yourself, you know, doing your yearly travel plans. And within those plans, that you add an excursion in there for skydiving, ziplining, scuba diving. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Rao, how are you? Physician, yoga, wellness expert, stress and burnout coach, comprehensive self-care advocate. Nice. We we need more doctors like you. Renee Hanna, how are you? You love crafts and you cook and you refurbish furniture? That's that's really good to know. Hit me up. Renee, I just started following you only because um, I, I don't know if you know Renee, but I do like to promote people who do things like yourself. So make sure everyone is following Renee, Hannah, because she refers furniture and after watching like long hours of what's that show called 
when people have the clutter. Um, oh my God. I, for, I forget the name of that show, but it's a show um, where people have a compulsive disorder to save stuff or why well, I can't remember the name of the show, but you guys know what, which show I'm talking about, right? And they're <sighs> hoarders. Oh my goodness. That show hoarders. I, I'm thinking to myself, here's a house and, and it's what, four seasons, five seasons of maybe 25 episodes that alone in the United States. How do you, how does that work and how does that happen? Like, oh my God, my internet just went out. I wonder if I'm still talking. But this is crazy. I'm going to have to fix that. But looking at the show, right? And looking at everything that people throw out, I'm just like, who? How? How is America? So this is what I'm thinking. If I see the show and I see how many people are collecting and buying stuff, could you imagine the trash we throw out on a in an hour or in a day? Why? How could we be destroying the earth in that manner? And then We're not, some of us, I'm not saying all of you, but some of us don't even realize how terrifying that is because some of the trash is being just thrown out in the sea to, that's going to affect another country or another area. It doesn't even affect New York. It's like, I can only imagine just on checkout when the students leave i did a whole paper on that where does the trash go was the name of my my paper because i wanted to know i i needed to know why my department was spending almost three million four million to for trash removal and i really wanted to know where the heck the trash was going where is this trash going Maybe you should all do that. Tonya Lewis, hello. Certified life and business success coach on a mission to shift mindsets, enhance businesses through consulting, coaching, and skills training. I love that. Anthony Bonner. I'm a former NBA basketball player who is now a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeking God's truth, and sharing with all who have ears to hear. Thank you for that. Eric and Michelle. Eric and Michelle will be having a podcast on dating in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Hello, Eric. Thank you. And Michelle will have unique male and female perspectives. 
I love that. That's awesome. It's exactly what we need. Eric and Michelle, are you going to be doing this podcast here? If you need any tips on podcasting and making everything put together in one place, please feel free, Michelle, to reach out to me because it is not easy to date in your 50s, for sure, for sure, especially post-COVID. Everybody's scared of something. I don't know. (laughs) Truly, Julie, how are you? Let your curiosity lead you. Intuition, be your gouge, smiling, because I'm alive to experience adventure in life. So Duco Moth, I talk about Tourette's or having Tourette's. I'm tired of having to see neurologists. Hmm. Okay. Let me follow you because I'm interested to know a little bit more. One of the communities that I have engaged with a lot in New York is um, the deaf. And I took American, I took American language, uh, sign language. Um, And it was very interesting to see how that community is just like, so I didn't realize that we have a whole community of of other groups of people. So it will be interesting. I I would be very interesting to listen to your podcast. It's a Duco Moth. And Mojo, I'm sorry, Lois Hansen, M-A-M-F-T, spirit-led, heart-centered, life coach, writer, dancer, founder of Wings, life coaching and counseling. P.S. You are enough. Love it. I've heard Lois before. She's energetic. She's wonderful to listen to. She's very animated, and I love that. I'm not animated. I'm more reserved and calm <laughs> and boring, maybe. I don't know. And Mojo, how you doing? Joseph Mojo McCarthy is a highly creative communicator, leadership development consultant, marketing, branding, Sherpa, podcaster, graphic designer, musician. Oh, my God, Mojo. <laughs> You got a lot going on. And that's good though. I like the, I like it when people do more than one thing. But Eric and Michelle, come on, set up your podcast already. There's so many single women in New York. <laughs> and we just don't understand it. We don't understand what we're doing wrong, where we're going wrong. And I do have to say this. One of the things that I think we're going wrong is, you know, we work hard (laughs) for everything. We work hard to look good. We work hard to get where we're at. We work hard every day from the time we wake up. to, to So if we're in our 40s, 50s, and 60s at this point, We're like, well, damn, (laughs) why, why is it so hard? Um, I don't know. It shouldn't be that difficult, right? 
it should be um i guess people are just different right and based on our experiences and trauma too um we just either don't want to go there anymore you know we we find flags like real quick so quickly that we're like "Mm -mm." nope you know but that that's gonna be really interesting i hope you guys get with it like carry out because we need to badly and i know i started following you now but i'm curious if you again if you need any help sharing (laughs) um please reach out my website is www.saltycoffeepodcast.com anyone i'm part of the uh, p2g networks now and i'm planning for those of you who are community-based people and not so much you know of your expertise Um, because my understanding is that if you're an expert right on what you do here and you're certified here because you've been verified that you are the professional in what you do um you come here to share your expertise right um for free (laughs) even though you're getting a little something right but um for me uh i work differently i'm not here to sell a product i'm not here to tell you my like i do a lot but i don't I, i i want people to really get to know me moving forward um as far as <clears throat> what I can give you from my experiences in working at a university for 33 years and raising two daughters and having three jobs and being able to retire early is what I can give you for free. And it doesn't, for me, everything I did, like going to school, it didn't cost me a dime because I learned where my resources were. I took advantage of making sure that I learned what I needed to know of where to go, those resources, and where to ask. If, if you are in your 30s and you have children, small children, you're a single parent, and you say, oh, well, I have children now, I can't go to school, I have to pay the bills. There's, for me, I know that is very, it's not easy, but it's doable. You just have to find out where to go. And that's what I do. I help people to learn how to read their CBA, which what we call contractual bargaining agreement. So if you're in a job and you're in a union, you have no idea the resources that you sh- you would have if you really sat down and read your contract. Um, if you live in, so like in New York City, we have community boards and the community boards are places where people can do their town, what we call town hall meetings, right? Go to your community board 
if you feel that your neighborhood is falling apart, that it's not, you know, going to grow, why do you have to move? Why, why is it that you're allowing politicians and people who you elect, why, why are you only voting for a president? Why aren't you voting for your city council, your borough president, your senators, your assemblymen, women, person? <laughs> um, that's, that's what I've done in 32 years when it comes to advocacy, showing people how to go to the state capitol and lobby effectively. Showing people how to read their paycheck and know where those tax dollars that they're taking out, where is it going, and how to, for you to really pay attention and hire someone who knows how to do taxes for real, for real, to get those deductions for you, as many as you can, especially in New York, because they're there. On my website, you'll see all the resources. People, I'll have conversations with people and they're like, oh, with my own family members. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Oh, well, you haven't looked at my website. <laughs> I can't just talk about it. I have to be about it. And that's the one thing that I really want podcasters to understand. Like, it's okay to to talk about it but are you being about it so while i don't have a lot of time to sit here and talk to people i'm out there i'm i'm in every community board meeting for where i live because i want change and i want to hold i'm not going to run for office because i tried that not as the level of assemblyman or anything like that but on a community board level and I realized that that doesn't work for me because you're doing all this work, but people are not paying attention. So even though you are, let's say part of community board, the people who oversee that and like, okay, so we have a community board, right? So you have your community board manager, district manager for that section right of the Bronx whatever zip code they pick a zip code right and if there is a Starbucks CEO or a developer who wants to build their building or who wants to change a, a public school into a charter school they're gonna they're not gonna co come to the community oh do you guys want this do you guys want that because they know that the low income, the lowest income community sections, right? They're, they're, this is what they think. Oh, those people don't know shit. They got a whole bunch of homeless shelters there and they have a whole bunch of, you know, ratchet people. Nah, we're not gonna, no. Let's just go straight up to the council person or the borough president. And they make the deal with them, right? And then we don't find out until the building is built. <laughs> and we're like, what the heck? 
When did this building just pop up? When were you going to tell us that you were going to add another building? Or that you were going to add another rehab, rehabilitation um, homeless thing? Or, or a home rehab for rehabs? Or people who are just coming out of prison? And that has been continuously happening in the Bronx. I'll just, just throw that over there. So these developers, these CO people, politicians, they get all the money for the grants by this developer, and we have no say. None whatsoever at that, at that point. And it's not that people don't want to get involved. It's that you're literally rezoning the boroughs to function that way, where you're going to have to put all of the refugees or people who are just migrating to, to New York, who are coming out of prison, even though they were, you know, a resident from Florida. And it's sad. So, I, I, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that even when I sit in these community boards, I tell them, I was like, why are we still doing meetings in person? What happened? Why can't we do these meetings on a Zoom thing? Other community boards are doing it. And the older people just look at me like, here we go. Here we go with technology. Hello. <laughs> technology went in. And there's no, and we could do both. Why can't we do both? So for those who want to do it in person, fine. But for those who are unable physically to be there because they're working three jobs, raising two girls. So again, I don't know how I did it. Because now I'm thinking back, I was like, how did I do it? How did I work three jobs, go to community boards, go and lobby, be an activist within the union and raise my two daughters? and be active in their schools. How did I do it? You have a full family of both parents in the house and they don't, for some reason, they don't find the time to do it. So please don't sit here and tell me that you that you can't. <laughs> this is, I don't know, maybe that's what my daughter was saying, like generation X, you're so unemotional. And I was like, I don't know what that meant, but the way I was raised is you just get it done. Get it done. You have no excuse. If you can consistently do something every Sunday from this time to this time, and you can consistently do something every, you know, other day at this particular community section, you can also take time to get out of that and learn how the system works. Because that's another thing. I've noticed that a lot of people will learn how to get grants to open up a church here in New York, but they're not including the community. They build gates, they, they close the doors, so tell me how that works. How, how is it that 
you managed to get the grants to open up your own church, but you're being discriminatory of the people who come in, who are actually paying the taxes. That's not building a community. That's dividing people. And that's happening a lot here in New York where um, people who know people will get the resources, but the people who have been service, servicing the state and the country don't even know how, all they're doing is complaining. You do nothing with complaining. You gotta know where it's coming from and you gotta know where it's going. If you own property in the Bronx, you should be engaging with the community and make sure that that the your community knows what's being told to these other politicians who are higher up when the when you find out your house is going to be <laughs> because of eminent domain we're out you out. I don't know, but I think it's important for us to really pay attention. Pay attention because um, I brought up, you know, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin to a group of people and they just looked at me like I was speaking some other language and they dismissed me. They totally dismissed me. And here we are. This happened about five years ago. And now in a meeting, they're all like, I don't understand. We don't have any ATM machines. And we don't have, um, uh, the buses are no longer taking coins. And looking at them like, I hate to tell you, lady, I told you this five years ago. But yeah, I thought I was speaking French. <laughs> So how do we help our baby boomers? How do we help them to understand that it's quickly changing and that within this transition, it's not going to be easy for them because the older they get, the more, you know, physically, they're not going to be able to do certain things. Um, mentally, they're not going to be able to adapt to it. They're not. How how do we help them to understand that? <laughs> you know, and how do I help myself now at fifty three to know what's going to happen twenty years twenty years from now? How do I how do I prepare? Because that's the that's the type of person that I've always been. I've always told my community within work, always have your resume updated. Always, always enhance your skills. You should always know what to do, how to do it before you're even being asked to do it. You should always create your own work. That's how I've been able to stay where I, where I work at for 33 years. It's not that, so when I say I've been working at this university for 33 years, it's not because I've been doing the same thing. Don't think of it like that because I'm different. And, and unfortunately, there are people 
who you will speak to them who have been there for 32 years and they've only done that they never went to another building they never did their own little tour they never you ask them to go to another building and they're like what google it for heaven's sakes <laughs> it's like what what do you mean you've never been to this dorm or academic building what you've been here 33 years and you've never even been to the library the library that has all of the information the information that's even hidden from you because you're not going to find it on wikipedia the information that you're that's been hidden from you because you're not going to find it how is it that in 2023 you ask people have you ever seen the black laws dictionary and they look at me like what why does it have to have a black word in it <laughs> i'm looking at them like it's an actual dictionary which by the way when you borrow it from the library of said university they put a cover on the cover <laughs> tell me what that's all about and and literally it says on the cover over the cover do not remove the book is a the new edition of that book is about 200 and something dollars but i recommend everyone to have the black's laws dictionary why because that book will give you definitions of certain things that we always thought it was one thing and it's another i don't know i don't know why we focus so much on making money but not trying to help the community to make it grow within the community. So pay attention, pay attention to the resources, pay attention to how your system in your state, in your community works. Who's handling what when it comes to the budget? Uh, when I used to lobby in Albany, I always thought it was weird, right? That my group will connect. Um, so the budget, is, is in New York State is done uh, in April. So they have to go into the chambers and, you know, pass the bills and, you know. They call it lobbying because the, the these politicians and influencers and developers and people like that used to meet in the lobby with, um, with the politicians, like people who own businesses, farms, whatever, they used to meet in the lobby with the politicians to say, hey, this is how we're gonna do this and this is what we want. So that's why it's called a lobbyist. But um, I never understood why we waited. Um, so if the budget is in April, that they will wait until February, March to go and, you know, present our issues. A lot of the issues um, that we have today not necessarily have to be uh, with a cost attached to it. For example, um, 
I remember smoking when we would most of the the lot the issues that we would lobby for were working condition issues so like uh workers comp um reform unemployment reform we would uh lobby for many different issues that affected workers right and if it affects workers guess what it's gonna affect your community so you have to really pay attention even when you're an owner of your own business, if you're not lobbying or you don't learn what your customers need um, in their communities, that's being very selfish in my opinion. You should be also not only go there to influence politicians to help you as the employer or the owner but for your community, you know, I know here in the Bronx, everything shuts down at seven o'clock. Why? Because the crime is high. But here I am working all these hours and go and I sometimes I have to go into a supermarket at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock because that's the time that I get either off from work or I'm done with the day and everything's closed. I don't have access to fresh fruit food at that time because the only thing that's then open is the bodega what we call the bodega the little convenience store in a corner and they don't have fresh fruits and they don't have fresh anything so those are the things that you know that don't cost anything you know that you can go and lobby for i'll give you an example of the workers um, unemployment reform right Years ago in the early 2000s, um, I've never been unemployed, so I never understood the process, right? And usually that's a problem. If, if you've never been unemployed, you should understand the process before it happens because you should not wait until it happens for you to try to figure it out is what I'm trying to say. So. I had um, a member that I had to help. And, you know, I was like, oof, let's look at this process thing, right? So she completed the form, and it wasn't that she was unemployed because, you know, she was terminated or anything like that. She was laid off. So there's a difference, right? So if you have a CBA and you get laid off as a union rep, which was what I was, they usually notify the union, let them know. And what I recommend the worker to do is to research and make sure that all their timesheets, by the time they were there, during their duration, that it's correct. That whatever sick days they had left over, their balances of vacation, that their actual seniority date is correct. You know how many times I encounter an employee who their seniority date didn't match what they were saying. And it was because the records were incorrect because they never fixed it. So that's another thing people don't look at when they're working for someone else. Seniority date is important. 
because when you retire, then, you know, that's what matches with your um, severance pay. So she completed all the forms. It turned out that she was going to get one week for every year. Is one, one week? Yeah, one week for every year that she worked that paid, which is not a lot. I mean, it's a lot when you work 33 years like myself. Maybe I should go negotiate and change that to one month. <laughs> but um, hmm, think about that. Um, so one week, right? And then your sick days are sick days, and that's not something that you're going to get back. So that doesn't work with that. However, um, for people who've been working at a particular contract, you're seniored in, right? So I started 33 years ago. I get 60 sick days a year. Well, 30, but I can bank up to 60. So because I don't use my sick days, I still have 60 every year. Um, vacation days, you accrue, you know, whatever vacation days, that they will pay you back. Whatever balance of vacation days you have, they will pay you back. And we're talking about if you're going to get laid off. So going back to unemployment reform and going to lobby for it, depending on your state, I think it's very important for you to know what is the law for unemployment reform. If you're a boss and you have employees, be fair. <laughs> be fair to your employees and give them all of these benefits that you would benefit out of them. You find out how you can get these benefits straight out from the government, right? But anyway, um, it turned out that they were no longer submitting checks to people. They will send, send you a mail. Uh, they will send you in a mail a, a card, a bank card. And this is where I'm getting at when it comes to lobbying effectively. And when it comes to letting your legislators understand that while they sit in their asses all day, they get transported to their office and transported back because they're not functioning like the regular people who are out here working our asses off. They're just sitting there because they were elected to do signing a bill, right? Or moving it forward or whatever. They, I don't know why, but they didn't bid on the, the bank that was going to be moving forward for unemployment reform. Like, why did you pick Citibank? What's that all about? <laughs> and that was the issue that we were having in New York. These legislators signed this uh, unemployment reform where Citibank was the chosen bank for whatever reason, right? Well, we know the reason, but so guess what? If you live in the Bronx, right? And you search city banks, you're not going to see a lot of city banks at all. And if this person was laid off and she's 60 something, right? Why does she have to hike all the way 
and take a train or a bus to go get her money. And then when she goes to go get her money, because she can't go to a city bank and cash out a check because they no longer were doing this. They just cut that off and was like, here's the ATM card, figure it out. That's awful. That's horrible. Inhumane to do that. Because what's ha what happened was, let's say the check was $150, 151 let's say $153 with 99 cents. What happens when you go to an ATM machine? Are you going to get the $159 and 99 cents? No, <laughs> you're going to get an increments of 20 and really just take out 140 when you really needed the $153 and 99 cents. You needed it that in full. And that's just an example that I'm using, but damn it. <laughs> it's like, so not only are you not even getting the full check, you had to pay transportation to go get your money. And when you go to this machine to finally get it out, you can only get 140. So those are the things that we will bring up. We will have community meetings with all of the employees who fit into that and then go and try to do uh, because when you go to lobby, you just can't go with issues. You just can't go and not provide solutions. You really have to like hold them accountable and say, so this is the problem. And here are our solutions. Go back to check where people have the choice to, you know, pick their own banks or continue to use their banks or have it electronically done where it can just you know you give out the routing number of your bank and they just um transfer it there directly because then this is something that we have to teach the 60 year old and the 70 year olds that this is how the world is going to work today this is how we're working this is how we're functioning nothing is in paper anymore so learning to listen so that you can understand <laughs> it's not easy and let me tell you every time we went to these legislators they're like oh is that what's happening oh please don't try to act like you you didn't know this because if that's the case then who and why like, are you really think people are that stupid? Do you really think workers, the working class is that dumb? That you're gonna sit there and tell us that you didn't know that when you pick Citibank, one bank, that this was gonna be an issue? That would you, oh, ATM card, that's great. I have Citibank, they can use this, this is awesome. No, it's not, <laughs> it's not. Because it's not a bank that's readily available for people in the Bronx. There's no banks trying to invest for the people in the Bronx. Hello. And that's a problem too. Why aren't the banks here to invest with us instead of scamming us? Using the, the resources when it comes to grants and all of that to build their banks here and then charge people enormous money for loans or not 
engaging in loans. And then you're gone and you leave people just hanging. Just awful. But that's what I do when I'm not online doing my podcast. I try to help my community understand to listen and try to have the elected officials um, understand them. Because in many cases, these elected officials that are here now, they're there by default in many cases because people don't know. People don't know that they have the right to vote for local officials. They only know about the presidential election, the mayor, mayoral government, the governor. How do you say the governor election? I know there's a different word for it, but some people only know those. They don't know about their assemblymen, their um, legislators who are the city councils and senators, you know. I know I go to the voting um, when it comes to local elections, and it's a different date in New York. It's a different date for those. And people are not talking about that. People are like, the hell with voting. I'm not voting. And I have to constantly tell Dominicans, because I can only speak of that group, because that's what I am. That's not fair. That is not fair. that there were women who died, who had to leave this country just to get that right. It really annoys me when I hear that, when people are like, I'm not voting. I don't trust the system. Aren't you part of the system? Don't you wake up every day and have to go to work and pay taxes? You're obligated to do so. It's no different than me telling a union member when they would get fed up. Oh, the union doesn't do anything for me. They haven't done shit for me. I pay union dues and it's nothing. That hurts. That hurts me. Why? Because I always told the members as an activist, the union is not a set offset agency that comes to save you <laughs> for your, for what, you know, you want you are the union you elect your officials you elected me to represent you and i'm telling you you're wrong you're absolutely wrong and if you see that there's something unjust on 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 your part that that the union has done against you let me know and we'll fix it. But you can't come in with that mentality like, the hell with the union. They ain't done shit for me, so I'm not gonna go to the meetings. I had to deal with that a lot for the 25 years. And here they are post-COVID. Hey, Salty. Um, 
remember that time? I just want to say thank you. Because guess what happened in COVID? We implemented a clause because I did negotiations where if the university had to shut down for an emergency, we and we had to be called in as essential employees, we will get paid double time and a half. Management was pissed <laughs> that they had to pay us. So just because you don't see it right now, you should be looking at your contract and make a, an effort to put language in there and keep it in there so that you are secured. So don't sit here and tell me that we as a unit, we're not working well together and the hell with us. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. But anyway, let's see who's in the house. Mr. Two Extra, Joe, Miranda May, Dr. Robert James Goodman, how are you? Cecilia Grace, Isco, VC Nova, Kiki Iya, John Bush, welcome back. Eternity, how are you? I need to, I am following you, okay, because I need to ask you about something. Anthony Bonner, Lala Love. Roman Wyden, Day's World, Jamila. I hope you're still here, Jamila. Curdy Kudos, Doobie, Greg's Table, Keen iPhone, Jade Orion, Drew, Dr. Rao, Renee Hanna, Tanya Lewis, Eric and Michelle, Truly Julie, Sadukamov, Lois, and Mojo. Thank you for still hanging in there. Um, so yeah, I'm still learning to listen. And I'm, I'm hoping that with all of those people that I helped, you know, understand their contract. Because contract interpretation, the language, right, in the contract is very hard to, you have to like really learn it and learn with practice on how to use it right i'll give you another example i had an employee who had an issue with her boss right and so i had a conversation with them and i said okay well tell me where in their contract do you feel that you've been violated waited 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 I said, okay, so give me an example in in general. Just give me an example of what's going on. But included with at least one of the titles within the contract. Is it your work week? Is it your, um, your pay? Is it your health safety? Like, is it a health and safety issue? Is it a training issue? Like, tell me where within the contract that you're experiencing this issue with your boss. She really couldn't 
answer it. And then I said, okay. So I made an appointment to talk to her. So, well, she's just like always on me. She's just like, she doesn't say good morning. She doesn't, she's just me. She's just me. She's, she's had it out for me. I could hear her anger, her email. I was like, well, that's not really a union issue. That's a personal issue that you have. And the, the one thing that a lot of people don't understand when they start a job, you're not there to be friends with anyone. You're, you got hired to do a job nine to five and all this friendship and all of that. Good luck with that. I mean, I'm not saying you'd be mean and you, you know, but a lot of people, they just like to, that's how they are. That's who they are. And you have to leave it alone, but don't get upset. (laughs) Don't get upset if you just happen to have that type of manager, because at the end of the day, they really may not want to be there either with you. (laughs) And they may have a lot to say about you. She's always late. She's never um, answering her emails. She doesn't answer her, you know, like who knows? And that always happened to me where I get confronted by a member first about this complaint. And I tell them very, be very careful how you want to address this. Don't make me go into a meeting with you and then find out that you've been doing all this other stuff, (laughs) which has happened. So be, you know, if if that's what you're going through with an employee, you know, be understanding that a lot of people have different attitudes. They were brought up differently. They've experienced, you know, different things in the workforce. So, but it is what it is. It's getting late. It's nine, 17. I've been here for a while. So I want to thank all of you for joining me and I want to continue to listen more on wisdom, but I don't know when you, um, it's hard because there's no scheduling here. So I, for those of you who are still here, if you can put, if you have a talk show here on wisdom on a particular day and time, I would suggest to put that on your the little summary thing where you put, you know, um, who you are. Because I'm at work all the time. (laughs) And sometimes I I don't want to miss some good shows. I know a, a person who's here all the time, Ellen. There's two people who I know for sure are always here in the mornings on weekdays. It's two females and I can't remember the other name one is the lady with the short hair and the and the gold top and the other one is Ellen so you know I know when they're here but that would be very helpful but that dating podcast that's what I'm talking about I want to go in there <laughs> with Eric and Michelle I can't wait and if you have it out already please follow me and send me a message and send me a link um because Dating at 40, 50, and 60 is not easy (laughs) at all, especially in New York. It's not easy at all. So I would definitely appreciate that because my girlfriends don't have good advice. They're horrible. (laughs) 
So looking at it from a couple's perspective, that's what I want to know. I want to know from a couple, you know, what the dating scene looks like and, and be interesting, be very interesting. So, um, I can get all my friends and all my followers to come <laughs> to visit um, your podcast. So I'm excited about that. This week, it's going to be a quiet week. Um, my goals were to, um, again, go to the gym three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, movies Tuesday, and theater um, off-Broadway shows on Fridays. And that's what I do outside of here. Wednesday um, is a community board meeting, a general meeting. I recently just joined the housing committee for my community board. So we'll see what that, because that's one of the biggest issues right now with New York housing, finding housing, finding affordable housing. Can't believe it's 2023 and rent and mortgage and the prices of homes is just doesn't match with the salary people <laughs> so and i'm sure it's happening everywhere else right and so I, I i just hope everyone had a great week and a beautiful sunday and that you are able to just relax and enjoy the rest of your evening but I'll be back. Again, if you want to learn basic Spanish, I'm going to come here on weekdays in the evenings just to brush up if you're learning Spanish and you want to speak to someone who knows Spanish. And if you want to get a phrase or a word in there, just hit me up and I'll come up and work with you. If you're, If you have a kid who is taking a Spanish class and you want to work with them with their homework, um, hit me up here on a message and I'll come up and we could do the homework together. How about that? Um, that's, that's interesting. Are there any tutors in here for college students? That would be good for math. I'm horrible with math, <laughs> but here I am. I know about 53 being 53 and Retiring early, that's the only math I know how to make money. <laughs> and where's it going? <laughs> like the trash. All right, people. I love you. <laughs>